Google, where is Palm Springs? You know, a little fact about this movie. Only one day was actually shot in Palm Springs. What? Yeah. Where was the rest of it shot? Bakersfield? Yeah, I gotta say, it looks just like Palm Springs. I've been there. (laughs) I had an old friend from film school that worked on this film. Was it me? Nope. Next time. Well, the rest of it was shot in Palmdale. Arizona? Yeah, it's just north of Los Angeles. That's not Arizona. You ever seen um, How Much Your Mother, the television show? Bazinga. That's not it. That's Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Kristen Malati was the mother that he met. She was the mother. Another little fact. How many episodes is she even in? Is she just... She's in the final season. Oh. She's recurring. Yeah, until they kill her off. Is <laughs> she in the last episode? She dies as she's giving birth to the twins. It's like Star Wars. No. <laughs> That was close though, right? No, but they do give her cancer and kill her off. Oh, psh, no way. Yeah, that's why everybody was so mad at the end of... Wait, that's terrible. Why would they do that? As a creative, Stephen, would you have done that? No. <laughs> How would you have ended How I Met Your Mother? I would have had it be that he ends up with the mother and everything is happily ever after. Because that's what they were setting up the whole time. That's why people were mad. That sounds like what a lot of people wanted for The Last of Us too. <laughs> Full circle. Yep, and we're back. Welcome to the Cold Popcast. Episode 1,000. 25. What are we doing today? Today we're doing a little Hulu production called Palm Springs. A little movie, a little film. This is a uh, Hulu original, sort of? Do you think it would have been theatrically released if we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic? Possibly. Because I thought at multiple points throughout this movie, I would have paid to see this in a theater. Yeah. If if I had known that I would have liked it, yeah. which I might not have. I've heard a lot of people say that. I know you also said that you would watch it again. I've seen it, I think, three times now. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it like one of those background movies for you? No, I just really liked it. I just thought oh. it was that good. And I, I don't often feel that way when I watch a film that I immediately want to watch it again. But I've I've heard that from a lot of people that I've talked to about it. They've all said the same thing, like it was good, or they've watched it a few times. Is that a diverse group of a sample size, or are they all like-minded people? Uh, I would say say they're not like-minded. I bet this film would play well across many demographics. Yeah, and I think it does. I think it has. I think it was, maybe completely making this up, but I think it was, at its time releasing on Hulu, it was the biggest initial viewing of a release on Hulu. Uh, I didn't know that. I don't know what that would be, release weekend or whatever, whenever they released it. But I think a lot of people watched it, which is cool. So let's talk about the movie and why it's worth watching. Do you want to give a a brief synopsis? A quick little... This movie is essentially similar to Groundhog Day, Bill Murray, in that a character gets stuck in a time loop and repeats the same day over and over again. There's a couple different twists, though, from Groundhog Day. I was going to use Live, Die, Repeat with Andy Samberg as Tom Cruise. And uh, Kristen Malati as Emily Blunt. Oh, you're talking about... And J.K. Simmons as the alien species. (laughs) You're talking about The Day After Tomorrow? No. (laughs) Live, Die, Repeat was that Tom Cruise movie. Oh, it was called Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. But they changed the name a few times back and forth because they couldn't figure out what sold Live, Die, Repeat was not the... It might have been the comic name. Or the yeah, graphic novel. Yeah. But I think they... The Edge of Tomorrow. Are you sure it's not The Day After Tomorrow? No, that's Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> and The End of the World. Dennis Quaid... Oh, that's right. ...saves his son. Emmy Rossum's in that movie, right? That's why you remember that movie. <laughs> that's why it lodged in your brain. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow was a good movie. It really was. I really liked it. I think it, it got its... They've even been talking about making a sequel. They should. But so, Palm Springs is a similar... It's a time loop story. It's a time loop story, but it's a rom-com, but it's a lot more calm than rom. 
but it's yeah. got a lot of heart to it. And I think that's what makes it so special and why people have really reacted to this movie positively is that it has a lot of heart, unexpected heart. One of the reasons Andy Samberg signed on to make this movie was because of the script and it's extremely well written. He read the script and said that he laughed out loud a lot and he was really attracted to it and he essentially helped produce it. The guy that wrote the script, his name is Andy Ciara, Ciara. And I looked him up and he hasn't done much. And I'm just glad that he wrote this because I, I think he's a brilliant writer. I tried to find him on Instagram and I couldn't. So this will probably catapult him. Yeah. I mean, he clearly knows how to tell a story. He knows how to write a scene and uh, make it interesting. There was no moment in this movie that was uninteresting. There was always something funny or something uh, that was pushing the story along in a clever way, not in a mundane way. And one of the highlights for me of this movie was the writing. I came out saying, wow, that was very well written. It was. I think we'd mentioned this earlier, or maybe we didn't, before the podcast, how well paced it was too. Because I I generally prefer longer films because I'm weird. But when it comes to shorter films, I think this film more than any other film I've ever seen from 90-minute films. I haven't seen very many 90-minute films. Fun fact about me. Is it fun? (laughs) It's an extremely fun fact. But like you said, it used every minute very effectively, and there was never, I guess, filler is what you would call it in a show, where it's just... A little fluff. Yeah, it it was always moving forward, whether it was plot or character development. So Mm -hmm. it's nice. Yeah, and you were uh, really attracted to the people in this movie, right? Yeah. So let's talk about the people you were attracted to. The leads, both of them. Very good. Let's list them by name. Andy Samberg. And why were you attracted to Andy Samberg? I've always been in love with Andy, ever since I first saw him in Awesome Town. And sometimes he's shirtless in this. Yeah. Which is nice for Gabe. He He's a pretty good looking guy, and he's about 40 years old now. I was surprised, honestly, with how in shape he was for his age. Yeah. Who was the other person that you were attracted to? The lead actress, Kristen Malati. I don't like how we're framing this, though, as in it you know, it makes me seem very And, and why did you think she was attractive? Because she is. <laughs> I don't understand the question. There was a... It's funny. I don't think I've even told you this before the podcast, but uh, I feel like this movie was written with me in mind because I empathized a lot with both of these characters and how sort of jaded and over it they both were, but in different ways. Right. And they were both approaching it in a different way, and they came around to their conclusion from different angles, but they ended up in the same place, which was... Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. Appreciating... Right. uh, The value of living. Yeah, and human connection. Yeah. And all the secondary and tertiary characters were wonderful. J.K. Simmons was in there for a bit. Yeah, also, it's kind of spoilers, because you don't really... I didn't know he was in it until he showed up, and he was really funny, so... It was quite the coming on scene. Yeah, and (laughs) another thing that I liked about this movie was, um, I think it's Camila Mendez, or Camila Mendez, who's in Riverdale, which is a a show I watch. She plays Kristen Malati's sister, who's getting married, and then she's getting married to the guy that is the new Superman on the CW show that's coming out. That's going to be called Superman in Lois Lane, and his name is Tyler, I think it's Tyler Hecklin, but I like to call him Hoechlin. Hoechlin. He was surprisingly funny in this film. There were a couple points. Yeah. I only have ever seen him as Superman in the Supergirl show. Mm-hmm. And he's very, very good as Clark Kent and Superman. And he's, but he's got that, that Superman presence where he's like very all powerful, goody two shoes sort of character. So in this movie, 
he's not as much of a goody two shoes character, so he's got a lot of a bit of an edge. So it was nice to see that he has more range than just playing a uh, Superman. Which yeah, I would I'd hope that most actors have that range. Most of the characters in this film have unresolved issues. Yeah, except for the sister, that actress from Riverdale. She seemed to be the perfect. She was probably the. She's like the paragon, the pure-hearted one. Everyone kept referring to her and how or just intrinsically one. good she was, which yeah. is probably one of the reasons that drove Kristen Milotti's character to her madness was that her sister was so good and she wasn't. Right. It was hard for her to reconcile that. There's also um, a bit of a sci-fi element to this, which. And it was done really well. Yeah, it is done well. And it's actually, a lot of the science in it actually is semi-factual, I would say. It has to do with quantum physics again. Again. We've been dealing a lot with that recently. We, oh, yeah. You guys haven't heard the Dark Podcast yet, but we're going to talk more about quantum physics. And it was also a huge part of Devs, which I watched recently. Uh, so yeah. I hit the, the trifecta of... 2020 quantum deterministic universe theory sci-fi which is great real quick on that sci-fi element i thought something that was really subtle about this film but that i think complemented it extremely well was the score it had this synth vibe that you know made me think of nostalgic kind of stuff like stranger things sort of 80s i thought it was really good and i tried to look it up afterwards and I found something interesting. I can't remember the guy's name. It's like Matthew Compton or something, but he is... The, Straight out of Matthew Compton. But he's one of the two members of Electric Guest, which is more points of connection. The other member of Electric Guest is, I think, Aza Akone. Yeah, I think I'm saying that right. Which is Yorma Takone's brother, who is one of the members of Lonely Island. I never knew... Oh, how funny. ...how that played out. It was I interesting. Mean, that's, that's probably how... They all got the game. Yeah, they got... Yeah. I mean, Ryan Johnson, for most of his movies, I think uses his cousin. Yeah, that guy. Is that his cousin? Yeah, it's his cousin. That's awesome. I know exactly who you're talking about. That guy. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this movie is good. Recommended by both Gabe and I and many other people that have seen it. It's extremely fun. We recommend that you go check it out. I love that it didn't take itself super seriously right off the bat. Like sometimes with time loop stories, there's an element of like withholding information. But this film, in the first 15 minutes, Andy Samberg tells Kristen Milotti, yeah, is a time loop story. (laughs) And I was like, yes! One thing that's interesting is it never goes into any of the tropes. Mm -hmm. It sets it up to kind of play out like Groundhog Day, and then it doesn't play out like Groundhog Day, which is really nice. It doesn't even talk about that, really. I've heard a lot of people also say that it was very dark existentially. Yeah. and I, I think a lot of people will be able to pull something out of that that they can work with yeah because i think everybody struggles with the things that these characters are struggling with maybe not to that degree yeah where you become so self-destructive that you end up in the proverbial time loop it Mm -hmm. it is kind of meta in its own way Mm -hmm. the things these characters are struggling with and working out in the time loop you could say you know we do that on our day-to-day in our own loops Mm. i don't know can't get over how applicable it was yeah i agree and then the ending was beautiful too yeah I was wondering if it would resolve in any particular way, and then it, it had a nice kind of... Resolve. Yeah. <laughs> to not give anything away. Yeah. Why don't you tell him that what you heard about how long the Andy Samberg character was actually stuck in the time loop before oh, yeah. the events of this movie? Apparently, the author or screenwriter came out afterwards and said that <laughs> the amount of time Andy Samberg spent in the loop, according to him, was uh, around 40 years which is an extremely long time. And it plays into why he makes a lot of the decisions that he does. And, and 
even forget some things of his past life when you find him in this movie. Yeah, he can't really recall. I would not have thought it would have been 40 years, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have bet on that. If I had written a story where a character was stuck in any kind of time loop for 40 years, they'd be completely mentally gone by the end of it, like a shell of a human being. Right. It would be like a Black Mirror story. Anyway, what song should we play? We should play something from the score. (laughs) 